Hey would... everybody, Katie said I'm being an ass, how are you doing? <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. I'm not trying to be an ass, sorry. No, I just think sometimes his approach is a little harsh, but it's okay, we're here. Welcome back guys, it's been a little while, but we're happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, I've been, like I said, trying to get adjusted to working and, you know, just being here in St. Louis and trying to get our stuff going yeah guys so like if you know any like restaurants or any like cool experience to do like just like me and justin or like me justin and like our our child like just let us know shoot us something like we're down for recommendations in the area because like that's really what we've been doing just like checking out different places and stuff but um but yeah so justin what are you doing this week this week's oh well here's scratchy coming under the covers today. making his appearance He's always on the pod with us. But today's episode is about Joe Arity. Okay, so the 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 guy he sent me the case suggestion, his name uh his name's Malachi. The listener, I mean, like I said, he was pretty straightforward. His message just said cover Joe Arity. No type of, you know, link, no context, hell nothing no articles nothing i mean it's not bad you know but it it made me take my time covering it obviously because i didn't you know get any type of woof, this is what this is about real quick you had to like like dig and like find info and well i mean i took my time to cover it because yeah. i it didn't really just jump out at me immediately and i you know i have a list of things just in life that i do every day oh yeah for so sure. i mean as we all do right but I mean, hey, I'm I'm not saying don't send your suggestions. I'm just saying we if you want them, right? if like, you want me to something to grab my if you want me to do it, do something to grab my attention, you know, make my jaw drop in that uh made me go, well, damn, something, you know, cuz like I said, I'm busy in my normal life. I have a full-time job, a part-time job, I host a podcast, and above all of it, you know, I'm a husband and a father. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like send us your stuff. Like obviously, like the stuff that shoots out of like we want to do like the most craziest things. But you know, please send them to us. We'll weed through those. And like as we have time and like our scheduled cases, um, we'll we'll try to work your guys' stuff in. So um, just be patient with us and just make sure you're sending us like stuff that's gonna be like yes, like you know, like pick me, pick me. But, um, so yeah, but anyway, so th- we got this a little while back, so we, f- we were finally able to like kind of work Like in February or something, yeah. so, uh, sorry Malachi, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting to it, I'm getting to it, sorry. No, that's okay, I think it's just, ha- I mean, at least we were able to, we were able to cover it, so let's, let's get into it, so what's going on? Yeah, so today, this case has got some twists and turns, I mean, I personally wasn't ready for it myself, um, every podcast I listen to, article I read... Uh, it starts purely just talking about Joe and not much about the Drain sisters. So I wanted to start with, with the girls and what happened to them. Because, I mean, without them... There's no story. Right. Like. We, wouldn't be, we wouldn't be in this situation. Um, so the story today, I mean, it goes and starts back in the Great Depression era. <laughs> right? Damn. August 15, 1936. Dorothy, she was sleep. Uh, sorry, she was fifteen at the time. Her and her sister Barbara drained. She Barbara was twelve at the time. They were sleeping in their bed. They shared 
at the home in Pueblo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they sleeping in the bed together. Um, The parents name was Riley. He was a prominent local uh, official and Peggy Drain. They returned home from a benefit dance at a local nightclub to find probably the most terrible fucking scene they had ever seen in the town. Like, the town had ever fucking seen. Like, their oldest daughter, Dorothy, was found face down in the bed the girl shared. She was lying motionless on the bed in a pool of her blood with a deep gash in her head. She had been killed by her attacker. It was determined she was sexually assaulted and she had been fatally wounded by an axe. Police also found some smudged fingerprints and a heel print. Dorothy's sister, Barbara, had been bludgeoned in the head as well. And she was unresponsive, but she was actually still alive. So what year did you say this happened in? 1936. Oh, wow. So this is an oldie. Oldie. Oldie, oldie. Okay. Okay. Barbara actually was not raped. And like I said, she survived the attack, but she was in a coma for about a week. And she did later recover from her injuries. Can you imagine recovering from a coma in the, in 1936? I bet, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we'll just, I don't know, let her sleep at all. I mean, because, like, think about it now. Like, what what can they really do? Like, just really? besides keep them in a veggie state, like, nothing. nothing. I so, I mean, can you imagine coming out of a coma back then? Like, that, I feel like that's even crazier. Right? Like, what the fuck? Like, you're a trooper. For real. Like, and Barbara actually lived to be 78 years old and she and she did pass um in january 1st of 2002 uh she so she lived a pretty long life uh she was actually buried in pueblo in uh mountain view cemetery with her parents and with her sister dorothy okay so i mean they all ended up being buried together so that's that's good that is good there was an attack that was very similar that actually happened weeks before the drain murder uh an attack on august 2nd 1936 that's really that's my cousin's birthday that's tyrone's birthday uh-huh. just passed Tyrone. shout out blades but um way later in life obviously because he's not he wasn't born in 1936 <laughs> <laughs> he would be way old but um in 1936 though there was another attack sally crumpley she was 72, and her visiting niece, Lily McMurtry, she was 48, or she was 58, because I, I read and heard a couple different ages for her, <laughs> which is really kind of weird to me. I mean, like, how do you, you know, but whatever. I mean, that, but that shit's so old, I'm sure. It is conflicting. But 48 <laughs> and 58, how do you get a whole 10-year off? Listen, I have a crazy story. My great-aunt... Her husband literally for like for like years into their marriage, like I feel like twenty plus years, he thought she was legitimately like ten years younger than him, like for real. And she was actually older than him. <laughs> so she misled him the whole time and then they were like far, far along in their marriage and like they were like, you know, doing something like with like Medicaid and shit like that, you know, and he's like she's like, Oh yeah, I'm about to he's like Wait, 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 what? Like, <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. yeah, she pulled the ultimate, ultimate like, scam there. Like, what the heck? Hey, so 
Sometimes you gotta get it how you live. I don't know. I guess. You say all the time that you look like you're 20, so. And I'm not. I'm not 20. <laughs> so. Okay. I guess. Okay, sorry. I just had to let you guys know. I thought that was kind of funny. So, like I said, Sally and um, Lily, they were actually attacked while sleeping alongside and they're in a bed together, like a very similar circumstance, which was really weird to me. Like how that, you know, would have even been able to be possibly known unless like somebody was stalking. And these are like older ladies. So how, I'm curious how this ties in because the MO seems different. If they were, you know, 48 and 50, 50, or four, how old were they? 48 and 58? 48 or 58 was oh, Lily, and then okay. 72 was yeah, Sally. Yeah, see, that's super odd because the, you know, 12 and 15 were the others, so. No, yeah, their age differences were not at all alike. Okay. Um, but both women in that case were severely beaten in the head with a hammer. Sally was killed in the attack, but Lily, she survived the attack. Now, the attack on the Drain Girls happened... Two weeks um, after the attack uh, on Lily, Lily and Sally, and literally three blocks away from each other, both attacks happened around the same time of night. That's now, weird. now, Lily, she was able to later identify her long atta- her lone attacker, but it was long, you know, after it was well after, you know, any really you know helpful amount of time i guess that if that were you able to find any like how she was able to identify him after so long she could she visually picked him out okay later but it wasn't like a long time yeah no like he was arrested and they had she had you know visually yeah that's him so i'm a little slow (laughs) uh but like also on the night of the attack at the drain home Two other women from off the street were grabbed from behind by a short Mexican man, which they fought off. Um, now, the police did believe there was a connection in all of these crimes because clearly um, Stevie Wonder could see that this is the same fucking psycho. <laughs> like, literally the Sushi same in love. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. come on. Any useful evidence, though, that would have been found outside the drain home, would have quickly been damaged and contaminated by the crowds of people talking about a, quote, necktie party. Like, mm. what the fuck? I, I, I you know, that, that instantly brings me, like, to bad vibes because they really was really trying to hang motherfuckers out there. Like, it's... For ugh. entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> that shit is creepy. Like, why would you want to see that? You fucking sick. Sick fuck. Yeah, no. It, Even if somebody does deserve death, which, I mean, I'm not an executioner. That, yeah. I can't decide who decide. You aren't the decider, you know. that That's not something that you should just want to outright just visually see that or, and actively yeah. participate in. I think that takes it to a whole new level of cruelty. But, like, at the same time, though, like, <clears throat> like we watch things, like, sometimes that are... Are a little crazy too. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like we, was, right. you know what I mean. Like the, all these different horror movies. Like we live for that, and like, 
and then like you know even like the pot like the current the true crime podcast and stuff you know like we live to hear about these gruesome you know stories and you know you know advocate for the victims and stuff but still it's it's gruesome yeah. so at the same sense it's like yeah sure. we're we're talking like oh yeah like that's awful but back then i mean we're talking 1936 I mean, maybe to them that was just like, oh, look at them. The rag. I guess. Like, but I'm with you. That's crazy. That is fucking nuts. But it's crazy to me. As far as it being 1936, though, I mean, they're probably like, what evidence were they going to find anyway? Like, I mean, mm, but Pueblo's Pueblo's police chief, Arthur Grady, he wrote an article for a true crime magazine that was uh, published a few months after the murder. He wrote, um, quote, Pueblo has a population of about 50,000, and by 10 a.m., it seemed 49,000 of them had swooped down on Stone Avenue, So, which was by Dorothy's house. They were all in front of Dorothy's house, <laughs> contaminating the crime scene, basically. Wow. So, like, I, I don't know who was trying to control that scene in 1936, but I'm assuming they didn't have enough of police force to seems like somebody knew. rope that off yeah it seems like somebody knew that something was ha- gonna be happening that night and took the opportunity you know i'm glad you said that because wait till you get into the story Ugh. keep that in mind mm-hmm. so the police offered a one thousand dollar reward which you know i know you it's uh you like to know what it's equivalent to and today's money Mm -hmm. so a thousand dollars in 1936 is equivalent to nineteen thousand five hundred forty six dollars and 47 cents to be exact okay yeah that's a good ass reward for a reward to capture a maniac is what they had posted a reward to capture a maniac i mean i believe (laughs) this person is a maniac but the the wording that they're using in 1936 is just crazy. Can you imagine the poster? Like, I'm envisioning it in my head, and it was like, maniac on the loose. Could you imagine? <laughs> like, Could you imagine? Lord. And then they have, like, his picture, like, like Could, Mr. Krabs looking, like, with the money, like. <laughs> Could you imagine mean. that on Facebook right now, that post? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Jeez. No, maniac. Um, what was it again? I've said it too many times. Known, captured known maniac. Or- maniac. Okay, I can't say it again. <laughs> okay, carry on. So. Maniac. <laughs> <Shut up. laughs> okay, sorry. So, after, you know, police offered this crazy amount of money in 1936, $19,000. <laughs> known sex yes, offenders. He did for, it. <laughs> known sex offenders from all over, the, all over the area were brought in and questioned. One article said police took it to the extreme and actually shot and killed a patient who escaped the Pueblo State Hospital and was re- and was resisting arrest. You know, classic move, police. Mm. They questioned um, ethnic types, whatever ethnic types means. Wow. Uh, former workers who may have held a grudge against R- uh, Riley Drain, their dad. Okay, okay. Now, here's where the story, you know, takes an even worse turn. Um, Because, I mean, obviously that's bad. So it takes an even worse turn here. A while away, um, I I Googled this today to see how far it was. Um, It was 
from us or not from us from each other oh, okay because gotcha. this all happened in pueblo and it says a while in a while away in like cheyenne wyoming uh a sheriff george carroll he um the, the main reason i mentioned his name is because he's a shitty cop and I feel he should have shame and his family should have shame, too, for, you know, this tragedy that he's fucking done. Like, this is just really terrible. Oh, God. Yeah, like, it's it's just it's just awful. But um, to, to jump back there, where he went from uh, Colorado to Cheyenne, Wyoming, was six hours away. So hmm. it, it was a six-hour, 15-minute drive, eight-hour, 31-minute train ride. Uh crazy amount of hours 116 hours of walking if anybody's walking that distance but it's 365 miles from each other okay um so you know keep all that in mind the six hour drive away from each other um what uh, like i said in cheyenne wyoming the sheriff george funky ass carol um he decides to question a disheveled man you know who had been Found by the Union Pacific Bulls. I had to fucking Google that. What the fuck's the Union Pacific Bull? The train police. Literally the train yard police. That's wow. it. Wow. Like, like, oh, you tough guy. Why do we need you're all that name? Train you, police. You're the train yard police. Okay. That's that's all you need to be named. Like, why are we complicating things? But they, they had found this man wandering around the the rail yards that afternoon, um, and he was charged with vagrancy. What the fuck does that mean? I'm glad you asked. Vagrancy is literally homelessness. So oh. he was arrested for being fucking homeless. He's like, bruh, I'm already homeless. Like, I just choose to be homeless. Oh, I'll just go home mm. right now, you know? <clears throat> That's awful. The fuck? If if I could not be something? homeless, I would not be homeless. Is that and something go home. that really happened? Like, is that something that really is a crime? Yes, it's but called my, vagrancy. But my only thing is, like, what about all the people, like, in California that are, like, homeless and all this shit? I'm not a cop. I don't That's know. That's crazy. That's crazy. I don't know. You'd have to, you know, look into that some. But the man... Um, his name was Joe Arity. He was from Pueblo and had recently escaped an insane asylum. And he had a record of perverse sexual behavior, in quotes there. Um, so when Joe told him, you know, where he was from, the cop jumped to conclusions and connected him with the murder of the drain girls. Uh, so Carol, you know, had known about the murders because... He just happened to be good friends with police, uh, Pueblo police chief. So shortly after Carol questioned Joe, he called Chief Grady in Pueblo and told him, quote, we're holding a fellow here who says he killed the little drain girl in your city. He also added, quote, he's he's a nut and he can't even read or write. And he's told us two or three different stories, but he seems to know all about the drink murder. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is the man you want. Now, Chief Grady was so surprised, he reported he almost dropped the phone when Carol first told him this, since he had already thought he had the perpetrator. 
Oh my God. You'd be like, wait, what? So at this point, you'd think the police would do more due diligence here, right? And check out some stories and possible alibis and things to, you know, put this to maybe rest or say he did do it. But, you know, we go. We, We go on and see what happens, I guess. So directly after, you know, he called uh, Chief Grady, he calls the newspaper and he speaks to the reporter um, and tells the reporter this this information. So basically, the reporter puts out a story the next morning in newspapers up and down uh, the east side of the Rocky Mountains spread the news that Joe Arity was the lone attacker and that he beat the girls with a club. Oh, okay. Wow. Call the press. Like, okay. This sounds a little fishy already to me. Like, how do you instantly just jump off and say, we got him, this is it? Uh, But let's hear it. At this point, police already had a a murderer in custody, like I said. Mm -hmm. They, you know, even recovered the fucking murder weapon. What? Like I said originally, it was a hatchet. They recovered it in the fucking home of Frank Aguilar, the real killer, guys. The real fucking killer. If <laughs> wait, wait, what? This is the twist here. This is crazy. So if completely different guy. If they had gotten a good confession, um, you know that would have closed the case. Obviously, things may not have reached the point where they can't be fixed. Even with all the evidence against Frank Aguilar, he refused. To confess to doing any of the crime. Uh, Aguilar uh, was at the time a 35, not at the time, because he was, (laughs) but he was a 35-year-old Mexican man who had been hired and fired by the girl's, uh, Riley, the girl's father. Oh my God. I'm like, okay, so how, where does he come in? So he clearly knew the family. Mm -hmm. He had a kind of a motive i guess by getting fired like i guess that gives you motive to kill somebody and attack another person but you know people are nuts that was motive in his mind i guess Mm -hmm. so you know in evidence clearly evidence against him so Mm. we we have a murderer right i mean i'm convinced case weapon like it's him now, he fell on police's radar because he decided to show up at Dorothy's funeral after his ass was fired. So, basically acting hella sus, bro. Oh, okay. Like, come on. Okay, that's like sign, like, 73. Okay, this, he did it. This this fucking old, crusty, clothed-looking man coming out here. To like, you were, just, you were just randomly fired and you're coming out here. Get the fuck on. She was 15. Why would you be here and you were just fired? Like, There's weird. no way. Just weird. So, the morning after um, the first announcement Carol made, he told the press about um, an additional interrogation after the Pueblo officers arrived. According to Carol, quote, Arity kept changing his story and finally told the truth. He said a club was not used in the attack. It was a hatchet head. He also said he did not do the crime alone. He did it with Frank. Now, this is why this couldn't have been a true confession. 
like Joe was a very low functioning individual, which I mean, I'm going to I'm going to go into in a more in more in a minute, obviously. But he was a low functioning individual. He was not even able to tell the difference from black and red. So oh, wow. so there's really no way he could have even remembered a person's name, Frank. He didn't know his name. He didn't know how to spell his name. He didn't know how to write his name. What the fuck? Carol told reporters that Joe committed the crime, quote, just for meanness. Like, the fuck? There's no official documentation of the interrogation, the confession, nor even the transfer back to Pueblo. Just Chief Carroll and whatever the fuck he said, Joe said. Like, how the fuck is that okay, guys? What the hell? Like, that's so frustrating. Like, police. You just... This poor guy. He couldn't even fucking read or write or do any of that. Right. Right. Mental illness. Let's just take advantage of him. Mental illness. So, while the investigation continued, the Pueblo police somehow found a witness who placed Joe Arity in town at the time of the murders. So, you know, he's six hours away and gets arrested and says he's from Pueblo, so they connect him to the murder. Like... Uh, no, I wasn't there. Like, excuse me? But, anyway, the man, his name was Sal Khan. Oh, he was a local pawnbroker. He claimed, um, he sold a pistol, a cheap pistol, to a man named Joseph Arity, not Joe Arity. So, Joe was actually his given name. It wasn't a nickname. So there wouldn't be no reason for Joe to have told the pawnbroker his name was Joseph. Yeah, or like an identification or like No reason. Nothing. Okay, okay. And again, he was was an escapee from a mental institution. What ID would he have had? What money would he have had? Oh, sorry, that was my next point. Additionally, if Joe did purchase the gun, oh, it was never recovered as well. Um, so when he was picked up, they never found it and he never had money. He didn't fucking have any money to fucking buy a gun. And like I said, he's low functioning. He doesn't know how to count to pay for a gun. So you're telling me that he went in and he purchased this gun. How? How does one do that? How does one buy a gun, even a cheap gun with no money and not knowing how to count? Like Saul... Let me buy a gun from you, I guess. You fucking fool. So, really, the police were trying to make a case against Frank here in this situation because he kept refusing to confess at this point and had the mountain of evidence against him. And on the same hand, they had Joe's lead confession with no evidence against him. So, the police later brought Joe and um, Frank together in a room Carol asked Joe, uh, Frank, basically, he was like, who's that? And Joe responds with two simple words. That's Frank. Frank yells, I've never even seen him before. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Never even seen this motherfucker and this other motherfucker that can't even count. That's Frank. (laughs) 
Okay, okay, keep going. So I'm like so dumbfounded <laughs> at this whole thing here right now, right? Because it like, was confusing to try to understand that. Like <laughs> what? <laughs> That's Frank. I've never seen him before. Like okay, Mm-mm. I would I would just want to be a fly in, on the wall right Bye. there at that situation. Not for any other parts of this. Just that one particular situation. Because like, I would want to see I would want to see Frank's face. Because when he would say, that's Frank, like, hold the fuck. How do you know that? He was taken back. Like, he grabbed his chest like, huh? Right. Like, <laughs> who are you? You are? The fuck? That is so funny. But on September 2nd, Frank confesses, finally, after, um, oh, thank God. after like, a five-day crazy interrogation and um, at a Cannon City prison, his confession was transcribed and published uh, in its entirety in the next day's Pueblo Chieftain, their po- their newspaper, uh-huh. uh, which he would later recant, saying that Warden Best came to talk to him in his cell earlier and told him terrible things would happen to him if he did not talk. Mm. So during his five-page con- page confession, Frank gave a statement that claimed that that claimed to have met Joe in a park a few hours before the murder. Let me go back. I thought he Frank never met him before. Gave a statement <laughs> and claimed to have met Joe in a park a few hours before the murder. So, a few hours before the murder. Then they plot the murder and attack on the Dream Girls together. Frank claimed that he had already knew the girls parents were going to be out that night so they carried out the plan together much of his confession was just abrupt yes or no's uh leading questions like quite uh about joe so like questions like then joe would assault the big girl didn't he frank would later deny the whole thing saying that he was bullied threatened into signing those confessions so my whole thing is that that could never be the case because who meets somebody in one day and decides to murder? You're not, not only like, oh, hey, you, not, I, I'm not even fucking hanging out with you yeah. if I meet you. I, I got to fill you out as a person several times before I so hang why, out with you individually. You so to... I'm going to just murder somebody with you and I don't know you for that's longer than a few sad. hours. Okay. Yeah, that's that sounds outrageous. You're, you guys are pushing it, right? Even if the if they were pretty, even if he is the murderer, because I mean, even if the evidence, because I mean, it's 1936. How much of this evidence can we say wasn't plain? It was, you know, even if Frank really did do it, mm-hmm. you know, like I do believe that he was coerced. This confession is clearly coerced. It's clearly he, he he. That's not what happened. I believe so. But, you know, of course or not, Frank was basically just trying to deflect and share the blame, I feel like, as well, and get himself out of the hot water, but it didn't necessarily really work out for him either. Yeah. Cause That's th- not what they were trying to do with that. No. During his multiple confessions, um, one of those actually, Riley drained the, the father, mm-hmm. he joined in the prison interrogation. Hell yeah, like... Like, motherfucker like you could tell what year it was like, he was like what? i'm going in this motherfucker with them he must have been a scary dad <laughs> that's all i gotta say because like to fucking be like no i'm going in there right 
He's he bossed Step up. Down. He bossed up on yeah. the ass. Wouldn't every so, parent though, really? So his stories while while in that prison interrogation changed again. Let's just keep changing confessions. But <coughs> that like doesn't it. make any sense. Like, why do people? I like I said, I I can never understand why somebody would confess honestly to something they never done. Or why, you know, you know, like we evidently have that evidence, you know, we know you did it, but we, we just want you to confess. Like, just tell us what happened. So during Frank's trial, his lawyer attempted to get his multiple confessions thrown out, but that shit was unsuccessful. Clearly, because you can't just confess and just say you didn't do it. You can't confess five times and say you didn't do it. I just yeah, like I mean, okay, I don't care at this point. Like you, five times something's got to be true. You did it at this point, mm-hmm. but it in the trial it was Barbara's damning recount of the night uh, that actually put the nail in his coffin. I read um, in an article that when she stepped down off the stand. She stood in front of Frank Aguilar and said he was the man she saw with her own fucking eyes. That's oh my, my words. God. With her own fucking eyes in her bedroom the night oh. she and Dorothy were attacked. She mentioned nothing about a second man in her room attacking her or her sister. And don't forget, she and her sister were in the same bed. So clearly, he would have had to be in the same fucking room. Granted, you know... Some could say that maybe Frank knocked her out first, but right. I I don't know, you know, if two guys were going to attack two girls, why would one of them not be in the room during the attack? I've already uncounted like, him. Like, that did not happen. Like, come not, on. Yeah. I, th- that night, Frank confessed to his attorney, though. So, the next day, they changed his uh, plea from not guilty to not guilty by reason of insanity. Like, sir, you're clearly crazy, but you're not you, you're not going to win an insanity f- defense. Come on. The judge refused that fucking plea. Like, get out of here. Right. It took the jury 28 minutes, all of 28 minutes, to come back with a guilty verdict and a death sentence for Frank. Good. Months later, um, Frank admitted to killing Sally Crumpley, too. So, we had that there, clearly. So, Sally was the older the older lady, right? Yeah, Sally was the older lady, and Dorothy was, like, the one that the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Dorothy was 15, yes, sorry. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow, so they definitely... He definitely did both. Yeah, he so, admitted to killing so where, Sally, too. So, yes. where's Joe in all this? I'm getting to Joe. Okay. I haven't gotten to Joe. I wanted to tell the story, basically, like I yeah. said, of... Who really did of, the of the drain case first and then i'm yeah. gonna go into jail so um some also say you know that police had a pretty strong case against frank for another axe murder that happened in pueblo uh that occurred two years prior to the drain attack uh it happened in the same fucking neighborhood too like he never went to trial for actually either of the earlier cases sally nor that one either most likely because he was already on death row and gonna eventually get put to death. It doesn't matter. Um, with the gas for the door for Dorothy. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. He needs to. We need to know all of the things. That I agree. And I agree. He should have taken accountable. He should have taken you know accountability, but you got to think about it. It was during the Great Depression. They yeah. didn't want to have to probably go through the co- costs of another court case and you know things like that. Probably as well affected You're all of wrong. this. It's a great. It's a great point. None of, but none of this, none of this put a pause or breaks or none of that on the case against Joe. He had his sanity hearing um, where hella doctors testified about Joe's mental incapacity. Uh, Some gave ambiguous statements, though, like he possibly or I think he may be able to tell right from wrong. The reasoning at, at this time for the evasive statement seemed to be that they believed, you know, you, quote, need to have a fully functioning brain to become deranged. So an imbecile can't really go nuts, which I don't know what to say to that personally. Besides, nuts, besides, or? besides the fact that they knew little to nothing about mental health at the time. Like now, you know, they're just now recognizing mental health as even a thing. So and it's still ridiculed. Yes. So, bad, so, so and they're still working on improving, you know, self care for people. So they're like, there's no way for them to have even made a statement like that to even, you know, become true. And then the the word imbecile that was I don't want you to think you know that was technically a uh, a technical term like they used then yeah at the time it wasn't like a you derogatory imbecile. yeah it yeah. wasn't a derogatory term at the time. But what you'll see, like, over time, like, mentally retarded, that was the technical term after that. Mm. They all become, like, an insult. Yeah. Now it's what? Mental, um, um, I don't want to get this wrong. Sorry. Mentally handicapped? Mm. Is that what, is that what you're supposed to say? I don't know. I'm, I'm not aware all the time. But. That's crazy, though. For some reason, in Joe's test sanity hearing because remember this is the sanity sanity hearing the testimony of sheriff carroll the sheriff held more fucking weight than the doctors what like i don't i don't understand how that would have ever 1936 yeah i don't know how that would have been the case but sure it like the doctors who may have had even a smidge of knowledge on the subject but the sheriff what the fuck could he know like, come on, how are you taking his word over the doctors in this case? So, I don't know. But this, the sheriff testified, you know, that Joe, quote, shed copious tears of remorse while confessing to the murder, like a child who known he had done wrong. Hmm. Like, so after that, the jury just found him saying, excuse me? Wow. How do you have several doctors tell you he's not a sane individual? They called him an imbecile. Like, that was a technical term for mentally impaired and mentally handicapped at the time. That clearly shows you that he is not sane. And like you said, I think it just goes back to, like, it says a lot about the time and, like, where they were with that knowledge of, you know, mental illness and... um mentally handicapped people you know like i just think that back then they were just like oh that's not real he's just faking it 
Right. You know? Something. I don't know. I I don't know. They just definitely had no type of uh, empathy or anything. This is awful that this anything. happened to this guy, really. I really feel like he just, the poor guy was just kind of coerced into this situation. And by this Frank guy, like, you literally just... Well, I I agree Frank played a card in it, but who was really dealing the hand was Sheriff Carroll. I feel like it was all Sheriff Carroll's doing, but everybody, I feel like, played played parts in it. Even Joe? Well, we're going to go into Joe, like I said, a little more in a second. But I don't feel like he's really at fault because of his circumstances really with his health with his mental health yes okay. i don't feel like he's really he kinda, i mean kind of was in a bad situation it's where just he was at it's mentally. just where you know you 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 he was i mean he can't he couldn't take care of himself personally you know like he he was not capable of doing that it's fucked up yeah no like they later say he was uh mentally Aged at six. Oh my god, that is terrible. Mentally aged at six, I believe. So I feel like even like if he did play a part, then like he was talked into this and like coerced into anything if he was involved. If you could say he was involved, yeah. I mean, if you could prove it, yeah. Other than his confession, because he would... could have just been talked into like I, I just because he knew who Frank was. Wait till I get into Joe a little further here. So, like I said, the jury found him sane. Just flat out, okay, he's going to go to trial now for the for the crime. But now here's where, like I said, I want to go into Joe now um, a little further in his life before the rest of this shit storm. Because, um, like I said, this was all a mess. This, that from up to this point, a fucking shit storm. That he, like I said, I don't feel like he had anything to do with it, personally. But... Joe was born in Pueblo, Colorado in 1915. He was the son of a, of Syrian immigrants who were also first cousins, which to me could explain some of the mental issues cuz mixing they were your first blo- cousins mixing your oh bloodline, sir, like I don't know. That but and then I also um read somewhere that the couple had several children who actually died young. Well, why do you think? Joe's um, father, he's, his father was named Henry. He worked at a fuel and iron factory. Well, Henry was a sick motherfucker to be marrying and fucking his first cousin. Right. Sorry, go ahead. Um, like I said, Joe did have a brother. Uh, he did live. His name was George. At the time... Um, he was considered mildly retarded. So... So me. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So how the professionals at the time would put it, he was a, quote, high moron. Like, Definitely me. Rude. How rude. Yeah, like, like I don't even know how you hear those terms and not be insulted. I'm insulted. Like, yeah. that's fucking rude. Like, how do you say that about another... Like, I don't even, like, like, you know, I don't saying even... Saying that? Yeah, that's why I say, say quote, because I don't want y'all to think that's me fucking saying that yeah, shit. That's rude. Mildly retarded. That was in quotes. Like, that is insane. Like, people, like, doctors and people were like... Yeah. Ugh. Joe was a more severe case, though, clearly. Like I said, um... 
he didn't speak actually a word until after he was five years old. Yeah. Um, so after literally a year in elementary school, his his principal told his parents that he was, quote, incapable of learning and that he should stay home at six years old. That is so sad. They gave up on him so young. At six. How many kids do you think wouldn't get through school if that's how school was at now? At six. There are so many kids that struggle to get through those first few years. That's why kids get held back and need that extra time. Like, how dare you sentence this child to horror? Like, he could have potentially, you know, gained so much knowledge and you stole exactly. that from him. Exactly. Wow. Fuck his, that school system. His parents, though, they thought, I guess... That was the move instead of doing not that. I mean, because what, what what choice do you have then? I mean, find another fucking school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, would do. I'm a rational person. Let's find another fucking school or another opinion in this Great case. Great Depression, not being able to get places. <coughs> I mean, you don't know what obstacles they were up True. against. True. But incapable of learning and you should stay at home, that just... Heartbreaking uh, at six. So, for several years, he did just that. He stayed at home, hammering nails, making mud pies, basically mostly keeping to himself. At 10, his parents committed him to the Colorado State Home and Training School for Mental Defectives in Grand Junction. Mental defectives. At 10? Like... Can what the fuck? Can you imagine your fuck? parents just being like, oh, okay, this is not going to work? They, well, it did say that they were persuaded to commit him. Like, who the fuck thought of that? Who persuaded them? And how were you persuaded, you persuaded- to put your 10-year-old in a fucking mental hospital? Remember, they lived in Pueblo. This was in Grand Junction. They weren't in the same town any- either. So you're just going to ship your kid off to a fucking... A child. A fucking mental hospital. Ten. He was ten. He was described as slow with a stupid distant look. Like what? His examiners described his father uh, to be of average intelligence, but his mother was described as, quote, probably feeble-minded. So what's that? Easily poor? Like what is that? Probably feeble-minded. Uh-huh. I'm assuming they mean she's, like, almost borderline, too. Okay, gotcha. So. Like, that's where they got the genes from. I mean, and then the fact that they're cousins Cousins probably did not help that either. But Henry, um, Joe's father, he did regret putting his son in the institution and did finally remove him ten fucking months later, uh... So, you know, at home, Joe, he was not being supervised again. And the family had troubles. Henry, you know, it was a Great Depression again. Henry lost his job. Uh, Then he went to jail, actually, for bootlegging, right? So, Joe wanders all over town. And at 14 years old, he came to the attention of a juvenile probation officer, uh, the the probation officer wrote a fucking furious letter to the superintendent of the same state home demanding that Joe is recommitted 
the officer wrote, he is one of the worst mental defective cases I've ever seen. I picked him up this morning for allowing some of the nastiest and dirtiest things done to him I've ever heard. According to the officer, quote, manipulating the penis of Negro boys with his mouth and allowing the boys to enter the, quote, dirty road with their penis. So to a person with eyes, you know, and you could see that, you know, a six-year-old at mind is being fucking victimized in this situation and probably needs help and not blamed for what's going on. But, I mean, that's just me being a fucking rational-minded person. Mm. He clearly is incapable of making a decision of this gravity to even have done this. Yes, clearly. He's clearly being taken advantage of. He's a victim in this situation. Any, it, it, regardless of that, he was still sent back to Colorado State Home and Training School for Mental Defectives in Grand Junction. I'm going to keep saying that long-ass name because I want you to remember they called it Mental Defectives. Like, what? That's so fucked up. So, he stayed there for another seven years. Seven fucking years. He learned to wash dishes, mop floors, and, you know, do other simple chores. Like, a person should have taught him originally, and they should not have just gave up on him, obviously. That's what I was about to say. So, like, somebody actually was teaching him life skills. Yes. Mm. The superintendent of the home said that he was, quote, highly suggestible and vulnerable. He also added that he was often taken advantage of by other boys, even to the point where he confessed to stealing cigarettes when he clearly didn't do it. Mm. His family asked for him to be released and sent home, but these requests were denied because they claimed he had, quote, perverse habits. So being a victim is a perverse habit now, I guess. So his time while in the institution, he didn't try and peep at, you know, other girls or nothing like that while he was there like the other boys were doing. Um, He actually was reported by the superintendent, though, um, that he was, quote, inclined to masturbation, sodomy and oral practices on other boys of his erratic type. His and his affections Always towards other boys, never towards towards the female sex. So, even if, say, he was a perverse sexual animal, I guess, is what they're trying to claim he was. He liked boys, not girls, so he would have never done this. Another huge fucking puzzle. Like, why in the hell would he... So even even if, have done that. Yeah, like, so, no, yeah, right. So even if this was true and he did have, like, sexual urges or whatever that are, like, it was God. I mean, he liked boys. If he, if he wasn't being victimized in that again, scenario. Again. Because I believe he's still being victimized all yeah, in this whole scenario. I had to, like, rethink about that, like, seven times. I hated, but, like, I was thinking, like, yeah, that was definitely a victim-type situation. Clearly. He's six at in my in his mind. He clearly cannot make that decision. 
to have a gangbang party. Yeah. That is fucked up. That's ridiculous. Shortly, though, after turning 21, Joe ran away from the state home and returned actually on his own. Then ran away again. This time joined with three other quote walkaways. I don't know why they fucking called them walkaways. It's like they they're they're gone. They're escapees from an institution. Mm. He they're sent they're sentenced there, right? They're escapees. So they they left Grand Junction uh via the train. They, you know, went and hopped on the train, train hopped. Five days later, here they come, um uh, before the attack, though, five days before the drain girls attack, that's when they escaped. The train pulled up uh, back into Pueblo, though, the, the next day. And that night, they rode it actually back to Grand Junction. So they were in Pueblo that night, back to Grand Junction. According to, you know, another escapee, he insisted that they were still in the Grand Junction rail yards on August 13th, 48 hours before the murder, Mm. and did not return until the evening of August 16th, the day after the murder. Hmm. Then then Joe uh, rode the rails along Denver and Cheyenne where Carol arrested him. Later, his IQ... uh, would be identified as actually 46. So I looked up, you know, to see like what a range of IQs should be. Cause I don't just know anything uh, below technically 70 is considered lower extreme. 86 to 114 being average, anything above 144 being considered highly gifted. On the BMI certified IQ test. And he was a 46. Mm, so he was incredibly lower than the, like, the low. <laughs> yes. Wow. Joe's lawyers found tests that he took as part of an evaluation at school. The tests showed that Joe could not correctly identify colors. Nor explain the difference between a stone and an egg. He could not repeat a sequence of four numbers, which, honestly, depending on the day, that may be hard for me, honestly. Certainly, though, honestly, I know it would be difficult for you to say remember. Is that why you asked me the other day? And I got it right. You did. He wanted to make sure that I wasn't an imbecile. I just wanted to make sure you could repeat them right back. Now, I didn't ask you to remember them and and, and repeat them back to me because I know that would have been a, a time for I'm you. I'm like, well, I don't remember what you said. Yeah, I know you would have had a time with that. So <laughs> That <laughs> wasn't the test. I didn't test that you on that. That wasn't the test. <laughs> I know. I said if that was, I would have definitely been like, uh, seven, four. Uh, yeah. No. You okay. would have lost me. But... Now, now today, you know, clearly a person who is mentally incompetent cannot stand trial and can't be executed. But in 1936, it was fine. There's like, yeah, fuck yeah, we'll do it. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but I guess even though, you know, the information that Joe's in con- Joe's confession turned out to be fucking wildly untrue, we're still gonna we're still gonna charge him, you know. But he was allowed to actually speak for himself in in court one time and that was the only time it was during his sanity hearing 
the prosecutor and his attorney asked him a series of questions, uh, which to be real, you'd think, um, you know, it would only speak more to the jury and the judge, basically, that he shouldn't be here and shouldn't be in this situation at all. Yes. Joe uh, was asked. He didn't know who Franklin Roosevelt was. He didn't know who George Washington was. He didn't know why he was in court. <laughs> he did, He couldn't tell you the difference between a nickel and a dime. I'm not laughing, but I'm just laughing. They're like, so why are you here today? He's like, I don't know. That's a good question. That's, that's me every Valid day. question. <laughs> you tell me. How like, about that, buddy? The fuck? He played a good card there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're a dick. No, no, I'm kidding. I can't. But That's crazy. Like I said, he couldn't tell the difference between so a nickel sad. and a dime. He didn't even know what the fuck a hatchet was. They were like, yeah, it was him. Like what? He didn't know what a hatchet was. He was six at mind. How would he know how to use a hatchet? The murder of, of Dorothy caused so much hysteria that even the governor at the time Governor Edwin, Big Ed Johnson, to Ben Jefferson, uh, demanding like a full report on Joe and, ex- and, ex- and an explanation of why this, quote, pervert hadn't been transferred from low security, uh, the low security institution in Junction, Grand Junction, to the state asylum months ago. Oh, OK. So to prevent a lynch mob coming they held Joe and Frank at the time, uh, at the same time, in the Cannon City, rather than in the Pueblo Jail. Despite you know the underwhelming amount of evidence they they had against Joe, mm-hmm. Joe's lawyer was set on an insanity defense instead of just clearly not guilty at all. Like what the fuck? Like he didn't have any. They didn't have any evidence. Nor a witness, nothing. You know, Barbara, that he could have called Barbara to the stand, you know, to see if she had any recollection of him being in a room. Nothing. Wow. They, everyone failed this. There were multiple attackers, I mean, attacks that he, that they had victims that survived and could have identified whether there were two people even in the room. His, his lawyer, uh, did refer to Joe as a, quote, confession maniac, meaning that he would admit to basically anything. The lawyer never went after Sheriff Carroll, you know, the guy who took the stand five times and had, like, some crazy kind of recall because, remember, there was nothing fucking written down, and it was the 1930s, so there obviously wasn't nothing recorded. He's like, yep, it was me, I did it. No videos, nothing, nothing at all, you know, just... Just good old Chef, Sheriff Carroll's fucking memory. Like, cut it out. The closest thing was when Joe's lawyer asked Carroll, quote, Arity did not at any time give you a narrative of what happened, did he? Carroll replied, not very much. So his lawyer responded with, quote, you had to what's commonly said, pry it out of him, basically. Carroll responded, to a certain extent, yes, sir. So this dickbag Carol was basically the whole case, like I said, against Joe. So police matched no fingerprints to Joe. He was never, like I said, identified. 
nothing. Not by the women on the street that night, by Barbara. The confession Frank gave disputing Joe's involvements were never mentioned by the defense. Now, they did have evidence that they believed could imply Joe's guilt. They found a bloody shirt that was apparently worn by Joe. How they proved this to be true, who the fuck knows. But the blood was never tested. I was about to say, whose blood? <laughs> never tested. It was 1936. How are they testing the blood? They're just like blood. The, the only other thing, I, I even read that they didn't find the shirt on Joe. They found it in a, frank, in a, in a fucking rail yard. <laughs> They're like, yep, it's got to be his. It was Joe's. It is Joe's. The other only... He lived here. The only... <laughs> <laughs> Facts. I just arrested him. I just he lives here. This Facts. is his house. He I live here. It's his. Oh God. I, I just while we have this little break right here, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that like, what the fuck? Like, I understand, like, you know, you you want to get the case solved and, and you as a police officer, I'm sure that you know the pressure of trying to make sure you, you know, solve these cases. Picking and trying to sabotage, you know, a case to get, you know, a result that you want that is not okay to fit your narrative yeah like, that's not cool that is not okay that is not what you're supposed to do as a cop and if you think that it is then you are in the wrong profession you are fucking highly mistaken like that is fucked up in its own way like you are a demented soul you definitely need to go to hell like right now today yeah that's fucked up the only other physical evidence though that they linked to joe to the crime was a single dark hair that was recovered from the drain's bedding. So it was like, I guess, stuck up in the beds. The hair was part of a mass of fucking hairs and fibers that were collected days after the murder. And it was just shoved into an envelope, sent to toxicology in Denver. Uh, Frances McConnell, she was the toxicologist, she testified that the hair was identical to the hair taken from Joe and that only two in 500 people, they would actually have the same hair similar under a microscope. <laughs> Honestly, let's just fast forward to what we know now. I cut it out. <laughs> hair follicle tests it's are trash. Focus. What they literally do is they take the strands, they put it under a microscope and they look at it. Like, I can give you, like, 17 of my hairs, and they all are a different texture right now. Like, that's that's not a good not a good it's way to go. Trash fucking science. <laughs> I feel like we're on, what's it called? Um, what's that show that we watch on Netflix? Forensic Files. With the trash. <laughs> like, from, like, Trash the DNA right now. Season 19, one. 1988 or something it was. Like, you said that was a long time ago, huh? That was when you were born. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm, I was just looking like, huh? You guys, if you haven't, like, went and watched Forensic Files Season 1, it's kind of cringy, but it's it's definitely funny. You should watch it. It's like, serial killers, yeah, they're crazy, like. I was just, <laughs> I was offended when I watched some of those and they like, were using these technical them. terms. I'm like, get the fuck off of this. It was like, just like the housewife, it was like at home. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, is that what really happens? <laughs> Like, that's what the vibes it gives for the first couple of seasons. 
Can you just imagine, like, just a, a White House mom just, like, chilling with their wine? Like, oh, my God. Is that how they really look at the hair? Mm-hmm. That's Trash. really how they do it. Yeah. They're stupid. Yeah. They, I mean, like, what? <laughs> Forensic files. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say that looks like. <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, we'll go with that. So, also, um, McConnell, this trash scientist um she also testified that the hair's owner was an american indian i'm gonna quote that because i didn't say american indian i I couldn't even tell you really what an american indian is a native american is that what she's trying to say but i'm like what the entire fuck because that couldn't be joe because joe's parents were from syria he's not native american Mm-hmm. Just to point that out to you guys again, his parents way. were from Syria. So if she's saying he, the owner was American Indian, it was it not him. W- w- was not Joe. It was two and five hundred people. It must be the other one <laughs> because it's not, it's not him. <laughs> it's not Joe. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, just saying. Did she like just like hope that Joe was an American Indian? Be like, I- um, American Indian. <laughs> <laughs> Just hope that, like, she guessed his ethnicity correct. Like, <laughs> did you not research this? Not or? at all. Not at all. Oh, my God. So, um, in 2015, though, the DOJ did release uh, findings on 268 trials examined so far in which hair analysis was used. The review is still in progress, guys. The review concluded that 257 of these 268 trials, which is 95%, gave flawed testimony in court that overstated the accuracy and the findings in favor of the prosecution. What the fuck? Like, come the fuck on, guys. Okay, so I guess this is take two since the app wants to just go ahead and delete this last part. So if it sounds a little weird, that's why, guys. It's okay. So the last thing the prosecution had against Joe was the pawnbroker that said that he sold that gun to Joe Severity on the day of the murder. Uh, When originally he said he sold it to Joe the day before when Joe was in Grand Junction. So basically, they had a whole bunch of bullshit against Joe, and they could have easily been thrown out, you know, if the lawyer actually had brought up any of this information. But during the actual trial, his lawyer did bring in several therapists to testify that Joe was legally insane. And the superintendent of the the home he was sent to, he uh, again testified that Joe was a chronic masturbator, but one who has no sexual interest in women and is easily led by others. He classified Joe as primary amint, the product of disease germ plasma that was never allowed to unfold. Wow. I guess he said all this to confuse the fuck out of people, because what? Right, like, what are you saying? The fuck are you saying, bro? So, if you think... He's not responsible for his actions. If you, if doing, you know, this was even possible, then say that, I guess, because I don't know what the fuck that meant. Mm-hmm. 
prosecution, though, they never brought experts out to say that, you know, he could even comprehend, let alone complete these actions and crimes uh, or have the wherewithal to run away. Just cops. Cops who, you know, were, I guess, more convincing than the doctors. Like, what the fuck? The various cops they brought out all agreed that he was lower than average intelligence, but was of sane mind. Like, how they could even make that determination, I don't know. And, like, which one is it then? Like, what the fuck? He's average intelligence, but he's sane, but he's he's lower. I, I don't know. Right, it makes no sense. Come on. Carol told reporters right after the arrest of Joe that he was unquestionably insane, but his tune has changed now. So he claimed that without a doubt, Joe knew the difference between good and evil. So either he's unquestionably insane or he knew the difference between good and evil. I don't I don't know. I need you to come a little clearer there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the jury took all this in after uh, Joe literally told him that he didn't know what a hatchet was and came back after only three hours with a guilty verdict and a death sentence. As I said earlier, Frank was gassed first, and after, reporters questioned Joe, asking him why he did not say bye to him. Well, they really, they said why he didn't bid him farewell, because you know it was the 1930s, but, but really, Joe answered with, he didn't know the man. Like, what What else do they want from him? Like, like he said that he, that he does not know him. How many times? <laughs> I don't understand. He's like, I don't, I don't know what you want me to say. So, on the same day, uh, Sheriff Carroll and the two railroad, 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 <laughs> railroad, whoa, workers who helped get Joe they collected the $1,000 reward and uh, for solving the case. So, you know, that $19,000, they got that, basically. Wow, wow that makes, it, makes sense now. Right. So, now, while in prison, the warden came on as a special case. He would bring Joe picture books. He would also bring Joe battery-powered toy cars, and he brought him a toy train. Warden Best told reporters that Joe Arity is the happiest man who ever lived on death row. and His time on death row was not spent badly. Uh, the guards didn't harass him. The other inmates humored him and actually put up with his games. Now, Joe, he did have his appeals uh, taken on by a prominent attorney named Gail Ireland. Gail was convinced of Joe's innocence, but the legal strategy was basically the same. Gail didn't contest the fact that Joe was present for the crime, but he conf- he contested the fact that he was, again, mentally incapable to defend himself adequately in a trial, which, I mean, it's true, but... He wasn't guilty. He, he clearly wasn't guilty. Right. And he also, you know, said that he could not ultimately be executed for the reason because he couldn't defend himself. Gail did get Joe nine stays of execution... And uh, sent his, you know, pleas to the Supreme Court in Colorado. The Colorado Supreme Court basically said that they liked the thought of his argument, but ultimately they ruled that uh, it was not their job uh, to determine that. It was their job to interpret the state's law 
as it is now, not under what it we wish it might be or should or what it may be in some time in the future. So honestly, that sounds like a load to me because it sounds like they were, you know, like, yeah, he probably shouldn't be there, but uh, let's just let him take the fall. Yeah, because I'm telling you, like, they're allowed to break the law and do whatever the fuck they want to do whenever they want to do it. But when it actually is going to benefit somebody and they don't want to be a part of it. Exactly. Exactly. Basically, Joe was doomed to death and he never understood the gravity of the situation because mentally he was six years old. During those failed attempts, he never seemed distressed because... At six, you don't fully understand death, let alone you dying, you know? That is so sad. On his last day of death row, he had ice cream as his last meal. No, that's such like a kid-like item to want. He was talked into reciting a prayer with a chaplain, which had to be done two words at a time, because that's all Joe could do to follow along. Joe shook the hands and passed his toys out to the other men on death row before entering the gas chamber. Riley Drain, uh, the father, he said he was actually going to return to see Joe's execution as he did Frank's, but he never made it. Joe smiled as the guards strapped him in to the chair. The gas came up and Joe took three deep breaths and died. Warden Bess cried, I assume overwhelmed with emotion this all had an impact on joe's brother george because george was kept in the state institution for years despite his plaintive written pleas and good behavior like how does that happen like Like, how they just keep you in there like well they kept him locked up just basically out of sheer fear about the public's uproar Mm -hmm. um that he you know was being let out and he was quote the high moron brother of an executed killer. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, they basically, you know, classified him as, I guess, yeah, as, you know, same situation. But I guess he was lower. He wasn't as as low intelligence as Joe, but he, I guess, was. Mm. So, now, this is where the story usually ends, but Joe's life, it impacted the warden and... He wrote a poem about Joe, which later actually brings Joe's story back to life. The poem was named The Clinic. It began, the warden wept before the lethal beans were dropped that night in an airless room. The poem went on to describe a doomed man who did not weep, but simply played with his toy train. The man you killed tonight is six years old. He has no idea why he dies. Later, after the poem and a book was written, Joe's story touched so many people. His supporters raised money to replace his rusted out license plate that they used as a headstone for a decent headstone in 2007. By this time, a group calling itself Friends of Joe Arity organized a campaign to get Joe a pardon. After three years... 400 page appeal for joe they finally received the pardon so joe got pardoned 72 years and a day after his execution damn after the execution yeah he he was dead that's so sad governor ritter 
released a statement saying it was very likely Joe was innocent of the murder of Dorothy Drain. Also, he mentioned in the 2002 U.S. Supreme Court ruling that abolished the death penalty for the mentally impaired as cruel and unusual punishment, which is good. Right, like it should be. Like that never should have been a thing, honestly. Mm-mm. In his statement, he said, pardoning Mr. Arity cannot undo the tragic event in Colorado history. It is in interest of justice and simple decency, however, to restore his good name. The friends of Joe Arity added the date of his pardon to his tombstone and an epitaph. 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 That is such a weird word. (laughs) So, eulogy, guys. It's a eulogy. Just say that. Like, The The eulogy said, here lies an innocent man. Which, I mean. (laughs) Okay, keep it plain and simple. I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Keep it simple, but. Mm -hmm. It's the truth. Yep. You realize an innocent man. Like, what the fuck are y'all thinking? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, uh, guys, this is our case for the night. All right, Malachi, we just wanted to say thank you for the case suggestion. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so anyways, there's something that I wanted to kind of reach out to you guys about. Um, we shared on Facebook about Angie Barlow's case. Um, so when you guys look that up, it's Angie Barlow, Indianapolis, Indiana. Look up the case. Um, it's it's a crazy case. Um, her family is just trying to get justice. So please donate if you can. Share, like, get the story out. Um, and let's try to help this family. You can always hit us up with case suggestions like the one that we just went over today. Um, just make sure to add case suggestions in the subject line. Um, this is a comic crime podcast hosted by husband and wife duo Justin and Katie Daniels. This is a true crime podcast that has our spin on the case and suspects we're saying everything in respect of the victims and their families this is our lighthearted way of bringing the case with as much accuracy as we could research all right guys um here is our info email killers all around us at gmail.com facebook is killers all around us colon a true crime podcast twitter is at around killers killers all around us instagram is at Killers All Around Us. And our website, check it out. Killers All Around Us, a true kind podcast dot wordpress dot com. Later, guys. Bye, guys. See you next time. Oh, my resources. Westword.com. Forgottenhistory.me. Friends of Joe com. And I had a Google article pulled from The Chieftain. And also, Crude Crime, a true crime podcast. Well, there you have it. All right, guys. We love you. Later.